Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show, we have Colleen Cummins of CoreWorks Pilates Alchemy in Motion coming to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Colleen, what's going on? How are you today? Hey, good. How are you, Joe? I'm doing tremendously. I'm excited to have you on here and, and I'm excited to pick your brain because entrepreneurship is, is no new feat for you. Before we dive in on, on strategy and all that you do day to day tactically to grow this business, Colleen, tell us a little bit about CoreWorks Pilates and, and what this is. What are we here to talk about today? CoreWorks Pilates Alchemy is, um, well, it's not just my career, it's my life. Um, and I spend my day one-on-one -on -one with people or in, in semi-privates with people, helping them move better, helping them um, either navigate some pain issues they have or... Um, continued recovery if they're following up out of PT or if they have um, a sports goal that they're making or they just want to pick their grandkids up with less pain in their back. So we spend a lot of time um, getting nitty gritty about how they move in their life. And I use primarily Pilates principles for that. Um, and I, I keep my clients forever and ever. So it's really um, a great time with people who become something like friends rather than just clients or um, the people who pay my bills. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned that, that this is your career and your life. Take us back to the beginning of this and, and tell me a little bit about First and foremost, when you got this started, what was the goal at the outset? And if you thought that it would be what it is today, all of those years ago? Oh my gosh, Joe. So I went to school um, and I got a degree in exercise science. Well, it was actually called health, physical education and recreation. It was actually pre-exercise science degrees, but um, it was basically exercise science and um recreation was my emphasis and there were no personal trainers really to the stars yes but to normal gym general people not so much mm -hmm. so could i have envisioned what is happening today not at that time so my business has evolved based on my own personal needs really um, more than industry driven um, when i left school i began working at a hospital-based fitness facility and went um so there was the therapeutic side and then there was the fitness side and i worked in both sides and became up into the manager level and you pretty much hit a ceiling a glass ceiling there so one of my colleagues who was also a manager and i stepped out on our own and we were going to hit the 55 plus group 55 being older um, i am now 58 and really feel that that was an <laughs> overstepping anyhow yeah. um, and aside and aside so um when we went out on our own we we went to places um people's homes or retirement centers things like that my friends opened up a personal training studio and asked me to come get involved and so i got involved and i was a competitive triathlete my body broke um, and so I had to find a way to fix it. Uh, yoga was sort of okay, but didn't help a lot. And then I got introduced to Pilates and that's where it took off for me. And, um, when I moved to Albuquerque from Tulsa, Oklahoma, I brought along, so I had been doing personal training as well as Pilates. So when I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, I decided to just bring along the Pilates side of it. So I use all of my background um, 
my friends and I owned the, well, they owned the studio in Tulsa and I was a contractor. So I paid them a certain percentage of my business. And we had written the contract to where there was a ceiling. And then once you hit that ceiling, you paid less percentage and so forth. So people that were full-time um, really got a break versus people who were uh, maybe just doing it as, you know, to fill in between picking up the kids or something like that as a teacher. So um, that was that part of the business. And when I moved here, I did, I worked for people and then very shortly, uh, about a, less than a year, began my own studio. And I've had teachers come in and out, um, but primarily I've been the driver, I've been the teacher, I've been the business person, I've been the accountant, I've been all of that, yeah. And yeah. so I couldn't, have I couldn't have planned where I am now back so many years ago. It certainly evolved a little bit yes, over that time. Yes, the industry time. has evolved like crazy. The whole fitness industry has evolved in really fun and unique ways. That I mean, it's a good thing for, for people in our position. Now, as you, you sort of touched on it here, but I want to explore with some specificity so we have people looped in on, on listening here. The model of this, the majority of what you do now is either one-on-one -on -one or done in, in relatively small groups. Is that correct? Right. And since the uh, pandemic, my clients were much more... Um, ready to move to zoom and that has also really changed our industry which i've just jumped on like crazy it's been so great um i have been trying to get my clients to do that sooner um but skype was the only way that i knew and it wasn't really clear enough or specific enough to do great teaching and when i knew about zoom i mean the platform is so awesome i can see i need to see specific details i need to see if someone's hip line is a quarter off and with zoom i can see pr pretty much 95 percent of that so we were able to do um group classes at their homes and i helped set them up i loaned out studio equipment um mm. until they could get their self set up um or to see if they wanted to do it um and we also made it so that people who knew the equipment, the Pilates equipment, Pilates is done on a number of different pieces of equipment from the reformer to the Cadillac to the window chair um, and others that people had, that had experience could have a key to the studio. I happened to have uh, okay. that, that year as well. So I was at home. They brought their laptop into the studio. We had a little setup where they could just plop it down. And then I taught, from my home, which is only a mile away, while yeah. they were in the role reversal here. I see exactly. So we did it both ways, and we still do it. And I is that, really, is that something you guys still continue to do? Our group classes are still on Zoom. I can't get people to come back in the studio. They love it because they just come home from work, take their class, and then they're right there for their kids, their family, or whatever's going on. They don't have to do all the travel across the city. So they they love it. I love it. It's great. Yeah. I want to I want to pick your brain a little bit because obviously the the COVID piece of this is important. It would be irresponsible for us to try to pretend that these things weren't happening. But COVID certainly changed a lot of the rules of the game here in, in running a fitness business. From a marketing perspective, Colleen, you mentioned that that you struggled getting people back in, but historically, at least, what's been successful for you? to generate new interest in the business or get some new eyeballs on this? Um, let, me, let me address something that you just said and then I'll answer your question. Sure. Um, I didn't mean to say that it's been hard to get them in. I mean, I have, my classes are full. People are wanting Pilates. I can't get my group classes to come back into the studio and off of Zoom because they love the uh -huh. Zoom platform. So we're still full class, um, but we're just on, on Zoom. And that may change. I think they're starting to feel the loss of, um, we build a lot of um, community and a lot of my clients see each other out in their daily lives, but um, 
some of them don't. So I think they're starting to miss that community. I think we will okay. eventually be coming back into studio. Understood. And frankly, the after the after um, COVID, demand has been so high. I wish I had another teacher because. I mean, even this week, I've had three new clients and I've been getting new clients. So for me, I run um, about 30 clients a month, roughly 25 to 30. I see um, on a normal day, my normal teaching day for client load is four to six clients a day five to seven days a week. It depends mm. upon if I want to work the weekend or not. <laughs> if yeah. I'm going to take that off or not, I being the boss. A, I a good problem that. to have, sure. Exactly. Um, and so you asked me about my marketing. My marketing, I have, I have really only once in my career ever done any marketing. I don't have a Facebook presence really um, or an Instagram. And I, the way I get my clients is referral. Referral, referral, referral. I had a I had a client who became a good friend and was a very successful businessman. And when I was early in my um, career, he told me I should do four things to make my business successful. Four things. The first one is say please and thank you. The second one is to show up on time. The third one is to do what you say you're going to do. And the fourth one is do it to the best of your ability. Now that applies in life, but I can tell you. Yeah, I think that's that bigger than. It's bigger than that. But if you just really do those four things, if you just show up and you don't change your clients' times, it's such, it's such a um, tease when you have your own business and you're in charge of your schedule to get a call from someone to say, hey, do you want to go X, Y, Z? And then you're going to call your clients and switch your clients around. Um, I don't do that because I don't do that. The, I, it's so rare that I will change a client's appointment because I know that for them, it's that consistency. My consistency is their consistency. Sure. And the more consistent they can be, the more successful we're going to be. And the more successful we're going to be, the more purposeful they will go out and tell other people tell their friend tell their neighbor get their cousin involved their daughter or whatever and so that is my marketing strategy yeah let me ask you this it's i mean it sounds like it's worked thus far but is there a reason you haven't participated in social media it's such a big component of, of fitness in the industry as of 2022 is there or do you have interest in joining into that at some point? I don't know that I do. I've considered it over the years. And I, the reason I don't is because um, I don't have a walk-in client business. I don't have a, um, my classes aren't walk-in available. You have to have had a private with me before you come in to a group class. Um, that's not just my studio. That's kind of typical for the Pilates world. Um, because we're usually working with people that have had some kind of injury. We want to know that. Um, and I want them to have had some hands-on if possible. Um, I want them to know some of the smaller moves that we do in the group class. So I don't have to slow down the whole class to bring them up to speed. Um, so we develop a language together. So um, because I have uh, only so much time and energy that I can teach in a day, I have found that my referrals meet that need. Mm -hmm. So broadcasting it and getting like the, that's why I don't do the um, club pass or the Groupons. Right, right, right. I also noticed that people that do Groupons, they're looking for the bargain and I'm not cheap. Yeah, it's not the right avatar for you. It's yeah, and so they won't, they won't stick around. Um, yeah. But the, and the Facebook, and I don't know that, um, that, that might, be helpful it might also be helpful um to keep return clients people that are on facebook uh being oh yeah i forgot about her you know and then being able to do a follow-up call sure. or like oh so yeah reactivation meaning, sort of thing yeah, yeah or i've been meaning to look into that and that oh i see that that might be great um my demographics also doesn't use facebook a lot right right there's a 
the 50, 60, 70 year olds. I have, I have 20, 30, 40 year olds as well, but the majority of my clientele is probably 50 and over. Um, And so the bottleneck, as I understand it, at least is your time. Really. It's not necessarily a, a lack of interest. It's more, there's only one you. Is that correct? That is exactly it. And that's why I was training someone for the last two years to be a mini me, if you will. She was growing up learning my teaching style and so forth. So a number of Pilates teachers now can go and do a weekend mat class and be certified to teach Pilates. I can't hire someone like that. Um, Or I can't contract with someone like that because I need them to understand um, injury and rehab and a lot more in depth. So yeah, I need, I need another me. me I I think everybody listening to this podcast agrees with you on that point, Colleen. And so what is the, what is the, the solution? How do we go about tackling this for the people out there who are owner operators of their small business? What's the next step to at least offload some of those responsibilities? Well, I think, I think there's a couple things here. One, I think it depends upon how you get your business started. What's your upfront investment? The way that I started was um, piece by piece. So I didn't take out a big loan to get a big studio to purchase. Are you still there? We're good. Go ahead. Sorry. Thank you. Um, So I bought a piece of equipment um, that maybe I would trade out with one of my clients for half of it. I had saved up for half, my equipment's pretty expensive, $5,000, roughly three to $5,000 per piece. So I saved up half of it. I would trade a really longstanding client for the other half because she could put up the upfront. And then I did that for all the different pieces I wanted to have. So it took me a little while to get my studio, but I didn't have any overhead. So I didn't have that pressure of having to teach exorbitant amount of hours or bring in other other teachers. So I have the luxury of defining my goals. What is my goal? What kind of clients do I want to work with? How much time do I want to spend? Um, I think when I was in my 30s and 40s, I definitely had the um, goal of I want to earn more, I want to build more, I want to buy my home, I want to have my car. So I'm buying my home, almost done with that. I don't feel, so I think it depends upon where you are in the stage of your career and what you want. Ego-wise, do I want to have a big presence in the city and be known all over? Do I want to have a lot of clients that are coming in and out? Do I need that? I think those are questions that the studio owner or the, or the business owner needs to ask themselves. And for myself, I think I'm really starting to come to terms with, um, oh, uh, okay, I just said I'm coming to terms with it. And then I remembered, oh, right. But now we're in inflation times and perhaps uh-huh. on the edge of a recession. So yeah, then those questions get all asked again, right? Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting conversation because I, I think it's one that is ever evolving. If I asked you that question 10 years ago, it was probably a vastly different answer than the answer today. If I ask you that question a year, a year from now, it might be a different answer than it is today. But I think it, just in general, in terms of staffing, my two cents on it is that typically there are things, whether it's, it's coaching the actual session or fulfilling on the service, if we can't necessarily delegate that, what else can we delegate, right? Maybe it's some admin, maybe it is some marketing or some sales or whatever else. If you are the the lone person who you trust to deliver this service, how much can we take off of your plate 
so you can do what you really, really are meant to do. You know, and I think that's a, it's an interesting thought experiment, but Colleen, for you, as you do move forward is, is, I, I assume that this is the case, but is staffing front of mind for you? Is that sort of the, we need to, to get this figured out here? What's the biggest challenge? I should say that. It was my goal at someone who's been 30 years in the business plus is to figure out a way that I can have a quote retirement, right? That's not something that is in my cards as it might be for, for someone else. My, and so the, so the other thing about, um, uh, determining your goals. If you're going to have a family and kids and all that stuff, you might have to really think about building your business so that you do have um, extra staff. And stuff. so you have time to spend with your family. I'm solo. I don't have kids. I don't have that. And now I'm coming into retirement. So I'm beginning to wonder, uh, these are questions that have been going through my head. How can I maintain my studio and live abroad and teach on Zoom, nice platform, and or be able to come back and uh, guest teach at my own studio three months out of the year, something like that, and keep my studio open for clients who know the work and be more run it more like an open. Um, so these are the ways that I'm getting around having to hire more staff and rely on people to do bookkeeping that maybe doesn't, I have an accountant of course, but. I do the bookkeeping, um, do the marketing. That just seems like more headache that I'm gonna have to, having had an opportunity to work with someone who wanted to take over more of that stuff, I it just made more time for me to supervise her. I was gonna have to supervise her and my clients and then it was a lot less time if I just did it, yeah. uh, frankly. So looking at how my studio actually evolves uh, has to do with location, time and accessibility to my current clients and building new clients that way. Yeah. I think it, it sounds like there's still some questions to be answered at least, but things that you're thinking about and, and are very friend of mine, Colleen, that's a fantastic place for us to begin to wrap our conversation up. But before we sign out of here, is there a website people can go to, to learn more about what you do? Where, where can they find out more about this? Yes. Coreworkspilates.com. Straightforward and simple. Colleen, I appreciate this. I, I've had a blast having this conversation. I think entrepreneurs in our space need these types of conversations to work through their own thoughts and to hear what other people are working on. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your contribution. I wish you nothing but the best moving forwards. Thanks, Joe. And thanks for this opportunity. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, Thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez, and joining us on the show today is a very special guest. It is the one and only Rick Barry with RB5 Personal Training out of the UK. Rick, what is going on today? Happy Friday. How are you feeling today, brother? I'm all good. It's nearly the weekend, and for a change in the UK, it's absolutely boiling, and it's red hot, and it's sunny, so it's great. <laughs> there we go. There we go. The sun is good. I love it. I love to hear it, Rick. Look, let's get right into it. You know, we're excited to have you on, and before we dive in to the nitty-gritty of what you have going on with RB5 Personal Training here, you know, first, why don't you give the viewers a little perspective on how you describe the gym, and in your own, in your own words, how would you explain RB5 Personal Training and what you guys do? 
Yeah, sure. So we are very different to a gym, basically. We're not a gym. We're a personal training facility. Um, we work with people that repeatedly fail with diet and exercise. So that's a big demographic. Um, but it's not the sexy demographic that a lot of PTs want. Um, but we are very good at working with normal people. Um, so we are a gym for normal people that have normal lives, normal ambitions, but are struggling to find a solution to get the results they want. I love that. I love that. It's, it's very short, very concise, and very straight to the point. Ricky, that is awesome, man. And look, let's start with the bare bones basics here of the business. You know, Ricky, how many members are you serving currently? Right now, we're at 120 members. Um, so we've got ambitions to grow to around about 150. And then when we get to 150, uh, we are looking at multiple sites from there. Gotcha. That's great. That's awesome. And so with that, Ricky, you know, what's been the best method of getting new people through the door? Predominantly Facebook. Um, be completely honest, like we we do very, very little organic um, marketing with social media. And we do a hell of a lot of referral marketing and paid advertising on social media. Yeah, I love that. I think that's obviously uh, a big innovation from COVID, right? I think it kind of forced us yeah. to get a little more on social media and, and push that more predominantly. Uh, and so that's great. I love to hear the versatility there. And 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 for you guys, Ricky, I mean, being at that 120 mark or so, um, you know, let's say leads, clients, traffic, all these things were unlimited here. I mean, hypothetically speaking, of course, I mean, how much higher can you go? We can go as high as we want to go, really. As <laughs> simple as that. <laughs> like the main, the main thing is um, it all comes down to the passion that myself and my trainers have got. Um, it obviously comes to a head headwind where we've got um, a capacity in terms of the amount of people we can serve. Um, as most people, most of your listeners may know, is and obviously the main issue within the fitness industry is staffing um, and having good quality coaches um, and also making sure that we can retain staff, which is always difficult, always difficult because the new shiny object is online personal training, making a fortune by not doing that much um, and not getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning. So it's not as sexy as it used to be. Um, but our main issue at the minute for growing is making sure that we've got enough staff to facilitate the service. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I love that you're not undermining like the truth of, of, of really is the challenge here. Right. So yeah. if, if it's not operational, if you're doing well operationally and you're on a smaller scale of clients, then you'll do fine with a bigger scale of clients, but it's like, can you service it? And that just, yes. So yeah. I, I love that. It, I mean, good. It's, it's so, yeah. It's, sorry, mate. It's, it's literally, it's so much easier and it's cheaper to retain clients than it is to get new clients. So exactly. our big focus is that if we're struggling with maintaining a certain level of service, we stop all of our ads, we stop our client intakes, we stop our trials, and we focus on what we've currently got. And I've fell into the trap before where it's just fill up the gym, fill up the gym, fill up the gym, and not realizing that we've got a leaky bucket at the other end. Um, we fell into that gap before. We've, we still fall into it every now and again. Um, but the good thing, what we've tried to focus on now, rather than just investing in actual trainers and like shop floor um, members of the staff, um, we've started to focus more on the operations, which is more the management, the sales, um, and build up a team around that, that we can actually then make sure that there's always eyes on the basically the bucket to see if we are yeah. retaining more than we're taking out. Yeah, I, I love that, Ricky. I love that. I think that's so important. And I'm glad that you love, like, you actually understand that on a high level because I think a lot of people are going to lose sight of that. That I think it's just volume, volume, volume. But yeah, lifetime value is way more important than all the volume you can. Because if you get 20 new clients in a month, but 20 are leaving, are you really making anything? No, not at all. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 I've been, I've been in the industry a long while now. And I think the problem is people just want more clients, more clients, more clients, more clients, rather than serve what you've got and then use that network to make more money, make more revenue and build a bigger business from inside rather than from external. Yes, exactly. Grow internally, right? Except yeah, yeah, yeah. to focus on external stuff. I love that. I love that, Ricky. And so kind of moving on here, I'm kind of curious, you know, I mean, with 120 members, I always even say, I mean, getting to 30, 40 members is a lot, right? So once you get yeah. to 120 or over the 100 mark in general, it's it's tough. So how do you manage and track those metrics of how long they've been with you, you know, where they are on their journey, where they're, you know, struggling with all that. So how do you track those things on the back end? 
it's it's an ever evolving kind of process. Like once we feel like we've nailed a process to keep on top of clients, it then has to change because there's a new issue or there's a new staff member and it's not as easy replicable. So how we tend to do is we use a traffic light system. So each trainer has a dedicated client list. Um, we all understand what all of our clients' um, focuses are, but each client will have a set number of clients assigned to them to keep on top of. And what I mean by keep on top of, that is their consultations, their measurements, their programming, um, their phone call just to make sure they're okay. Um, and then we then have a, a metric system, um, which is basically like a red, amber, green. So if they're not being in the gym whatsoever, then they are in the red. If they are inconsistent, but they're still around, they're an amber. If they're absolutely smashing it, it's the green. Now the amber people don't get forgotten about but our main focus is the green and the red because the green can sometimes go from being really hot on it to all of a sudden disappearing. And then on the other side, the red, they're the guys that we potentially will lose quite quickly, which then obviously is our leaky book syndrome. Um, so that's what we, we try and focus on. Uh, and we do that in the weekly team meeting um, where we've got an operations manager who kind of is overseeing that and almost doing the mystery shopping phone calls, checking in with each client um, and getting the real feedback. Because as as you you know, and other basically listeners will know, um, sometimes what your client tells you isn't necessarily the right thing, what they're actually thinking. So they may give the true feedback to an external person who will then feed it back in a different way. Yeah. No, that's so true, Ricky. And again, I, you can definitely see the experience coming out, right? I, you've been through this and, and you've, you've went through those trials and tribulations to understand this at a, such a high level. So I appreciate you sharing that views and giving that real perspective there. And so, you know, kind of moving on here, I'm going to ask you a little bit of a longer winded question here, Ricky, but a good question in itself, a good way to kind of self-observe and, and figure out where you know, or not even more self-reflecting more than anything, right? And just and discuss improvements and what you think is a good improvement for yourself. So uh, bear with me on this one. If you need me to repeat anything, by all means, I, I will. Uh, so, but it's a good question in itself. So um, the fitness and gym industry is about three pillars of business we use pretty predominantly, right? One's going to be your lead generation, which is just your marketing, getting people through the door. Number two being your acquisition, which is selling somebody and getting them into being a paying client. And number three is going to be your retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more from you in that process. So Ricky, of those three, where do you feel like you could improve the most? That's a good question. So like, I, I don't want to go down the simple rule of I could improve on all three aspects, but <laughs> it is true. But I think the retention is always my number one way I want to try and improve. Um, and there was a book I read years ago called Secret Service. Um, and the secret service was really good in terms of understanding about their little touches that can make the members experience that little bit better. So um, for me, it could be remembering um, an anniversary and then just for a conversation that uh, a trainer will have with that client, we'll find out where they're going for lunch or dinner for their anniversary. And then it's then feeding up back to the team and the management where we can then obviously ring up the restaurant and get a bottle of wine delivered on our house. Little touches like that are wow moments. And I think everybody within the industry, and I'll, I'll be completely honest, in the UK, service and customer service is shocking and absolutely horrendous. And I think we forget about that. Um, when I've been to the US, you tend to get it a lot more because there is a more emphasis on service. Um, so it's kind of understanding about how can we create more wow factors so it is doing that, but on a scale, because doing it for 20 clients, when I was a one-to-one -one personal trainer, just me on my own, that's so easy. But getting my whole team to be on the same picture and use their initiative is kind of where we need to improve massively on, because I do think that we can always get more referrals. Our referrals aren't consistent enough. Um, even though clients say we're amazing, our referrals don't reflect that. So I would say, always about the retention and see how we can build from within better and make other revenue streams. Yeah. I love I want to say, I appreciate the honesty and transparency there, Ricky. I yeah. think throughout this entire podcast, you've been able to share a lot of value with the viewers. And I think that that's huge when you can put success to the side and still be honest and where you can improve. I appreciate that. And I think the viewers do as well. 
So thank you for that, Ricky. And last two questions for you here, my two favorite questions. Really curious to see your answer on these two. Number one, what's the bigger picture for you? What's the overarching goal? What are you trying to accomplish long-term? Personally or business-wise? Well, in regards to business, but you could go with both. Yeah, yeah. So, no, so, so basically business-wise, so I, 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 but my business is my personal life as well. So it is a sure. thing. But the whole point about my business is that I feel like we've got quite a unique approach. Um, I don't think that personal training is helping the whole world get thinner, fitter, and healthier. I think it's making it worse. Um, we're getting fatter. We're getting we, we're getting unhealthy as a whole um, entire human race. Um, and I don't think we've nailed it yet in terms of the industry. And I think the issue with this is that we feel like we're treating ourselves with our approach to training, with our approach to programming, our marketing is all aimed at people like us when realistically it should be about those people that repeatedly fail with diet and exercise. So my approach is that I want to make more of me. And I don't mean just necessarily me, I mean RB5. And that is literally not about growing RB5 as a brand, but it's more the concept and the idea that we can make more people fitter and healthier. Um, so my aim for this is to have multiple sites. And the idea with multiple sites is we then get exposure to offering multiple experiences and fitness experiences. Um, so one of our main areas that we run is fitness retreats. So we call them fitness experiences and activity holidays. So we run um, kind of like trips away to the French Alps um, with clients who have never done that type of holiday or got that experience of being in the mountains and have the confidence to go and do it on their own. So we expose them to that, which then in reflect makes them come back home, become more active and start to plan these little local countryside walks and have the confidence to go and do it on their own. So it's having more of a bigger impact to people's lives outside of the gym. Um, and I feel with that, by making a multiple sites of RB5, we can then offer more fitness retreats to different people. That's a, an additional business revenue, but it also impacts people's life outside of the gym environment, which, because the gym, for me, if I'm honest, I'll be completely honest, I own a gym, but I hate the gym. I don't like it. I like being outside. I like running. I like bouncing I like cycling and playing sport. But I see the benefit of how the gym affects my life. Um, and I really want to get that across to clients and everyday people, not athletes. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I think you're really in this game to to change the industry. And you're really trying. You're in it for the right reasons. I say that every single time, right? But when, you, when you're this genuine and you're in the business of changing people's lives, it shows and it shines through. And I can see that 100%, Rick. So thank you for that. And one last question for you here, my favorite question. You know, Ricky, if you could go back in time to when you first started your gym, sit yourself down with the knowledge you know now and give yourself that one piece of advice that you think you really needed to hear when you first started. What would that advice be for yourself? It's quite deep, this is, isn't it? I'm trying to think. It's quite a deep question. Um, I think a lot of it would be, in the beginning, not take it too seriously. I think most trainers, when they get in the industry, and we do train and run our own personal training academy for new trainers, and I see this still now, and I can see myself in them, is they feel, and I felt like I needed to know everything and needed to go away from what I enjoyed and what driven me into the industry and try and fit into a bubble that I didn't really fit into. So when I first started in the industry, it was all about Poliquin, how Poliquin says that cardio is bad, cardio gets you fat. So I loved cardio. So what did I do? I tried to train my clients in hating cardio and lifting the heavy weights. When realistically, it was anti-me. So I think a lot of it was go with my own beliefs um, and try and just do the stuff that I enjoy to help people and meet them where they're at, really, um, and just keep it super simple rather than try to complicate it and be a scientist guy with a lab coat on with a lip notebook and pen, which isn't me. <laughs> it's about yeah. getting people moving. Yeah, I love that. Ricky, That that is a mic drop of an answer. I'm not even going to say anything off that one. Way to close it out there. Look, it's a good place to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, you know, please shout out your Instagram, your Facebook website, anything you have. Where can people find out more about you and the gym? 
So uh, we are personaltrainingnottingham.com. That's our business site um, where you'll find everything about our education courses. Um, you'll find out about our fitness retreats. Um, you'll find out about our services and also basically just keep on top of um, who we are as a business. Um, our social media pages are um, at RB5 on Instagram um, and RB5 Nottingham on Facebook. There we go. Ricky, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. If you don't mind sticking around for one second, just so I can let you know how you're going to get the podcast, I would really appreciate it. Um, I'm just going to sign everybody else out over here, okay? Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, to everybody else who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button. And if you want to come and join us, talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Matt from Bulldog Boxing Gym in Jacksonville, Florida. What's up, Matt? How are you today? Hey, Bree. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time to join us. All right, so let's jump right into the details. Uh, what is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? What's kind of the quick uh, background story there? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, the, the freedom of, of schedule, I think initially was one of the things that, um, <clears throat> that was intriguing, uh, about running a uh, gym, uh, initially, uh, I think, uh, as, um, very early on and in, in, into doing it, the helping the people, uh, research goals, uh, came to the forefront really, really, really quick. And that's kind of something that just kept me uh, motivated throughout the years. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And now as far as your business model goes, the way that you structure things within your facility, are you doing group classes, semi-privates, one-on-ones, kind of walk us through the layout in the gym? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I kind of, uh, what, what works best for me is, uh, I do, it's kind of like semi-private classes and then, uh, and then private lessons as well. Um, and, and that's changed over the years. There's been times where I ran uh, just big classes. There's been times where I ran uh, just privates. And there's a number of things um, that can affect that, you know, my availability, market conditions, like, you know, whatever's going on. Okay. So semi-privates and private sessions currently are what you're running. Correct. Got it. Okay. And as far as membership base goes, how many clients or members are you currently serving? Uh, I would say probably about a hundred. Okay. About a hundred. And what is the size of the facility? How much space do you have to work with? Uh, it's about, uh, about 1500 square feet total. Okay. Probably about, uh, about 11 or 1200 of, uh, of usable working area. Um, but it's, uh, you know, we, uh, we need kind of like more of an open layout to, to run classes and stuff like that. So the, right. the more kind of open area we have, the, uh, the better it is for what we're doing. Yeah. You know? Right. Absolutely. Okay. And as far as the membership goes, are you happy with 100 members or are you looking to add members and grow the facility? Uh, that, I mean, that, that's an interesting question. You know, I, um, I kind of flip around uh, with that myself a good bit. Um, 
I, you know, having too much is the, the same as not having enough, you know, and, um, you know, I've been able to manage what I have just fine. Um, and there's, there's also, um, you know, other auxiliary things, uh, aside from just like the memberships and in, in the, in the private, uh, training that the gym generates income with, um, and, you know, with, with that number for a volume of people, uh, that seems to, to help us be able to manage comfortably and, and reach the goals that we need to reach, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So different either streams of revenue for the business, different layers of service. What does that look like for you? What other things are you offering that produce more revenue per client? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, if we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about per client, yeah, there, there's definitely, um, as far as like, uh, like private members, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, merchandise that, that people can purchase. There's equipment, uh, specifically associated with what we can do, um, that we can sell them. And, and, you know, if they've trusted us, uh, with, to give them the knowledge, I believe they'll probably trust us to know what equipment to use. Um, but no, 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 aside from that, there's a competitive side of what we do, you know? And so I need to, excuse me, I need to be able that I make sure that I have the resources and the time to, uh, to be able to accommodate that as well as the, uh, everybody else as well. Right. Absolutely. And are you the sole trainer or do you have trainers that work in the facility with you as well? So, yeah, so I have, uh, I have some that, that work here. Um, it's, uh, you know, I've had a lot of the, the same people here with me for a very, very long time. Um, and uh, they, they went on to fight or compete or, or coach or, or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, those guys, those guys will cover classes here. And it, it's a good it's a good change up for, for people. Uh, people in my market love these guys and girls, you know. And so, like, uh, when they're here to teach the class, uh, you know, it's, it's a, they're welcome. So, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. That's always good to have a little bit of help because there are so many gym owners who are doing everything on their own. So always good to have a, a little bit of help there. So as far as marketing goes, getting the word out there to people in the area, letting them know that you're there, what you do, what does that look like? How do you get the word out there? Uh, well, you know, again, that that's, you know, there's a plan associated with that. And, um, you know, what that is now based upon what that was before is two different things. One of the, uh, one of the things that I really rely on, uh, the most, I would say is probably, uh, guerrilla marketing. I think that's probably the most effective for me, um, in regards to like membership base, you know, um, people, uh, the turnover rate, I'm not sure what it is for like regular, businesses or regular fitness gyms or something like that but the turnover rate for this is is probably a little bit higher than most you know so uh you have to be a little bit careful of what you do on the front end to make sure that you can manage how everything's uh going you know and it just takes time to figure out what that balance is and um hopefully that you know hopefully i've done that okay so as far as guerrilla marketing goes how much time are you spending marketing so typically that takes a lot of time because you're either out at community events or you're handing out flyers or you're, you yeah. know, it's more, it's more hands-on. It tends to take more time, cost less, take more time. Kind yeah, of hand in hand. So uh, how much time is that typically costing you? So again, you know, it's a, a time management thing as always, you know, uh, and so if somebody asks me a question on a, on a podcast with, you know that somebody that was going to start a new gym or was thinking about something like that was doing growing marketing is the answer that i would give them and for for a long time you know it's it's uh uh it's kind of mistake proof a little bit in the beginning you know uh, i don't necessarily lean or rely on things like that uh as much as i used to prior though you know so so in reality what am i currently doing um much different. I've been around a long time, you know, so I do different branding things and, and my name's associated with, with other things and, and um, stuff like that. But I still do. I still do need to drive traffic or uh, promote new programs or there's a bunch of different reasons that I can think that I would have to pull out the old guerrilla marketing bag or something. But um, 
But yeah, for the time for the time being, I, I wouldn't say that that makes up the bulk of what I do. But I'm far from like the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever done any type of paid advertising through social media, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Google, anything of that nature? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure I had to have. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm 100% sure I had to. I'm, I'm sure it worked out great. I know on social media, I know on social media, uh, the social, any any of the paid for social media ads have done well. Um, but again, it's like, you know, it's like, what, what are your goals? You know, what are you promoting? What are you selling? You know, do I want to have, you know, a zillion people in the gym to train, you know, or do I want to, do I want to further other things along and that be auxiliary to that or, you know, it's just what uh, what exactly do you want to do? You know, is go go bananas and do the absolute most? Is that what you want to do? And it's like, well, for some people, yeah. You know, um, I've seen people have some longevity issues with that. You know, um, but you know. Well, yeah, you can't flood the gym and then break the model and then not fix the model. You know, because when you do flood the gym and you don't have the right systems in place to be able to fulfill on those memberships and then in turn retain those memberships then yeah you get yourself in a sticky situation you know and it it doesn't tend to work well um but i mean there are a lot of things that come into play there but it doesn't necessarily sound like you're looking to even grow the membership uh i wouldn't say honestly it it sounds kind of funny but uh at this point that that isn't something that that's honestly on the forefront of of my brain it's more of like a like a retention thing than anything I'm, i'm happy doing what I'm doing. I want to keep it that way, you know? And mm-hmm. so I want to keep, I want to keep my members happy. And, um, like I said, you know, I've had a lot of them for a decade and, and, um, you know, them and their, their children now and stuff like that. And so that's the, that's the direction that, that I want to go is, is maintaining that not spinning uh, my wheels so hard, uh, on the front end, you know? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned having a higher turnover rate than some other, people in the industry or some other services within the industry. So why do you think that is? Uh, it's, it's some, of, some of it is the nature of what we, what this is, you know, uh, and what people think before they do something, you know? So it's like what people have in their head before they come here and what it actually is, is, uh, is two different things. And I, I honestly, I take pride in having the responsibility of, of doing that in a manner that's, um, you know, appropriate, I guess, you know, it's like, if you don't have experience, that's something that that can kind of hang you up there. You know what I mean? Like people come to you with idea that they think they're going to be, who knows what, you know, and it's like, who knows, maybe they can be, you know, but you can't necessarily tell them, no, they're not. And you can't necessarily tell them, uh, yes, they are. You know what I mean? You just kind of have to, uh, you know, bring, uh, people's expectations, um, kind of level them out, you know? And then, so some people can't deal with that. You know, this is, this is different. You know, what we're doing is, is, you know, boxing and MMA. And so, uh, you know, fighting is, is in our DNA. And so people feel uh, more uniquely about that than say, just like lifting weights or uh, running say, or or any of those kind of things. So that, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what I was trying to allude to Mm -hmm. was kind of the nature, the nature of what we do. And it's not just me in particular, it's, it's, you know, I'm assuming anybody that would be doing this sort of thing. So how long are people typically sticking around for on average, would you say? So, so luckily, luckily for me, I, I, for me, I have people that have been hanging in there uh, for sure. Like uh, when I look around at my classes, it's like, man, I've known him for 10 years. I've known her for seven years, you know, like I've, uh, all these people I've known for like a really long time, you know, mm-hmm. but there seems to be like a, a little bit of like recycling, you know, and, and with those people that are kind of figuring it out, I'm thinking maybe minimum of, of three months probably. And that's kind of on, on, on my sales process front end, that's kind of the way that, um, that I push them. So they give it a fair shot. You know, maybe it's not what you think. And, you know, that's the first month we, you know, here's a couple other months and, and, you know, maybe you're in better shape or used to things going on and, and, and how we're doing it. And, and now, you know, maybe that's a little bit more accurate look at what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. you like it or not. Yeah. And I mean, what do you think would 
make people stick around for a longer period of time? Uh, you know, that's interesting because so the things that I, it's, it's just specific to, to what we're doing, you know? Um, I, I've seen other people in other markets and I mean, within mine do solely what I think would keep people around, you know? Um, and so like, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting because there's like, uh, there'd be a ceiling to that, you know, there's only, there's only so far you could go with that, you know? And so, uh, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure business wise, people wouldn't be doing things in that manner if it wasn't a profitable thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so are people typically getting results within that three month period that they are sticking around for? Cause typically when people yeah. do get results, results are what make people stay a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, generally, generally, uh, I can think of, I can think of a few funny scenarios that we seem to deal with, uh, on, on the regular, uh, where that wouldn't be the case, but, um, but no, you are right. If, if people are happy, then, then they're sticking around like a hundred percent. Yeah. But, um, but no, no, no. Some people, some people come, some people come to us just like right before the summer and, uh, and just like get in shape for the summer. And then they're just like out all summer doing whatever. And then they come back and they come back. And so like, you know, I have a, like a good bit of people that do that and they've been doing it for, uh, for a while, but, uh, but no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Um, the, you know, what we do, uh, what we do is relatively intense. And so if you have, uh, any kind of like uh, regular fitness goals, um, you know, with the experience that we have, the way that we keep it safe and everything like that, uh, people, people are going to get to their goals for sure. You know, um, especially people know they've, they've done the research before they come to me, what it does. And then they come and it's a con- controlled structured deal, um, with more of a push than they, than they want, you know, so it's, they're going to get there, you know, or they, or it's too much for them and, and they, and it's not for them, you know, mm-hmm. in, in which, in which, in which case I'm not sure, I'm not sure what is for them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's necessarily might be this. I don't think it might necessarily be that. I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So now where are you focusing most of your attention, time and attention within the business right now? What are you working on currently within the business? Yeah. So, uh, right now I'm currently, I'm currently working. Uh, we have some, it's on the competitive side, but it's, uh, there are some, um, obviously some ties to the, the business side on the performance side of what we do, uh, kind of, there's a relationship between that and, and the gym and, and how things are going, how smooth things are going, how well things are going, uh, at the gym. And so we have one of those events later on in the fall. And so that's in like, think like um I, I think it's like about a month almost exactly now and so currently today like that's that's solely where my focus is pretty much you know that and the obvious uh you know ma- maintaining the, the people that I've had for a while you know yeah okay so focusing more so on the competitive side of things uh sure. what is your big goal that you're looking to accomplish over the next six months to a year? Yeah, for sure. Um, again, my, my big goal, uh, is I'm, I'm happy, you know, I'm happy where I'm, where I'm at maintaining, you know, I've done this for, for, for a very, very long time and, and to, to be doing things the way that I see them to be doing and, and the, the skills that I have that I'm putting into other people to see the levels that, uh, that those are going to, uh, is exactly where I want to be, you know? And so like the, the thing about it is, is that, um, you know, I've thought that before and I've had several, uh, things, you know, come try to knock you down and, and doing business. That's just how it is, you know? And so, um, so, you know, none of that's occurring, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, so that's just it. I'm just going to just continue to do my thing and, and, and get people where they need to go and, uh, you know, stay happy. Got it. Okay. So from a business owner standpoint, what is the biggest thing that you've learned throughout your time in ownership or one of the biggest things that you've learned, either a lesson or 
uh, just something maybe that you didn't necessarily expect to come up along the way that might be useful for somebody who is considering doing the same, opening their own facility, going their own way, kind of doing their own thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's kind of interesting, like the like the path, because kind of like what I was alluding to earlier in uh, our conversation was things change. Like when you start, things are different than in the middle and then in wherever you're at now, whatever, you know. And um, so uh, one of the one of the things that I would say would be uh, I think people have a mentality of uh, when you become an entrepreneur, like you've made it, you know, like, oh, now, you know, and, and that's how, how kind of people treat you, too. You know, when you're like, oh, you, got, you have a business or whatever. And um, I think that kind of that tendency kind of pulls you away from the actual work that, that you need to do and not just like. There's two different like kinds of, of work, the way that I look at it too. There's uh, like actually like work, if if you're gonna start out, it's gonna be, starting out, it's gonna be very tough to have employees and stuff like that, you know? So you're, you're not gonna be able to have somebody work the business and then you like work the business, you know what I mean? So you're gonna have to do both. And um, a lot of people have problems distinguishing like what those two things are, but, um, but you, you, it's a lot, you know, you almost, it's almost two full-time jobs, you know? And so, uh, that, that's the best advice that I could give somebody, uh, just if you have a, a talent, um, an ability, a lane, some money, like, like any of that kind of stuff, you are going to fail face first. If you're not working as absolute hard as you can, cause you got to do double. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's always a lot more work than you would initially expect it to be. You know, Absolutely. so it's, you kind of get this idea, like, it's that, like, if you build it, they will come kind of mentality, oh, you know, and yeah. it's just, nobody cares. Yeah, no, no. Nobody cares. right. Sure. It's true. And, you know, even there's so many, even personal trainers that have a, a pretty good base of clients. Right. And then it's like, okay, yeah. well, I could do this on my own. And then they want to go in, open yeah. their own gym. And then it yeah. kind of slaps you in the face initially when you realize that maybe, that large following that you had isn't there when you open your own gym. Definitely. Definitely. Too much, too much is, is the same as not enough. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, that, that's, that is a, that is a big common mistake that I see is when people, people try to branch off. Uh, they, they might have the ability to do the work like for sure, you know, uh, and there's, there's a lot of talented people like that. Um, and, and, you know, at some point that was me, you know? So, so like, I, I understand that. Uh, but you know, the vast majority of what I see is, is over ambitious people that, um, that kind of, you know, maybe need to get a grasp on, on how to operate a, a business, you know, cause what ends up happening, honestly, truth be told in a scenario like that, what ends up happening is, is that like takes chunks out of the market share, you know, when, when those people leave with people like that, you know what I mean? Maybe they have a rocky experience with the next place cause they don't have it together business wise or whatever. Right. So now what are these people going to do? These people are in your market. They were customers of yours. Maybe now they feel funny coming back to you because they left with this guy. And now it makes this weird scenario that somebody that um you know maybe shouldn't have created you know but uh but maybe not maybe maybe um you know maybe uh it's a businessman that's grown into himself and and that's what they need to do you know yeah well that's the important piece to keep in mind is that it is a business 100%. Right? It's, it's not always thought of as a business right it's like opening a gym for some reason people don't always think of it as being a business and something that needs to make money for whatever reason in this industry I find so many people that almost wear it as like a badge of honor to work 100 hours a week making yeah. less for yourself than you would working 40 hours a week for somebody else and it's like Absolutely. I just don't understand it this is like the only industry that I find that happens in so often uh, so very important to keep in mind at the end of the day, it is a business. You do need to make money. Otherwise, if you're not making money, your doors don't stay open. And who are you helping? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. definitely an important piece there. All right. So now as we start to wrap things up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our social media tag is bulldogboxing904.com. Uh, Right. And do you have Instagram, Facebook as yeah, well? Yeah, 
I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we have all the platforms, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But yeah, you should, you should be able to. We have a decent following on there. You should be able to find us pretty easy. See the guys and girls in their fights and everything like that. Um, follow us on our journey, man. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So Matt from Bulldog Boxing Gym in Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you so much for taking awesome. the time to join us. It's been great having you on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Bri. I appreciate it. Absolutely. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.